The following content has been rated for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. People say Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. There must be something in that. I showed emotion. You know what people said? See, you really can't get violent and angry. Welcome to The Squonk and the Hag, a podcast about murder, mystery, the supernatural, and even a conspiracy or two. Dun, dun, dun. My name is Mo. And I'm Kraken. Welcome on in, guys, to another episode of The Squonk and the Hag. With me, as always, is... It's Cracko, and today we're back at the Motel Motel. Yay! Uh, before we get started, a couple things I want to note. Uh, first of all, hopefully the sound will be okay this episode. My microphone died, and I'm using my old microphone that I've had for years and it seems like everything will be okay but if this sounds a little off I apologize um additionally I may not sound great aside from the microphone because I am fighting off a little bit of a cold so I got a lot of throat lozenges and a little bit of snot so uh apologies if I sound a little we just got all of the poor quality just through the voice and through the microphone it's just the <laughs> Yeah, I should just stand in the backyard with, like, a tin can and be like, Welcome to the Squawk of the Hag. Tell you what, we'll record your in. We'll, I'll just give you a phone call and just put you on speaker and hold up to the microphone and it'll be, it'll be good enough. <laughs> well, hopefully that's not going to be the sound quality that is coming out of this microphone. Because it it's an okay microphone. It's just that I've had this thing for years. I did not treat it well at all. I, I dropped it many times, like, knocked it off my desk... Uh, one time I knocked it off the desk and used the cord like a fishing line to pull it back up. So it's like banged up. It has like scratches. I've never done that. Yeah. Yeah. Most content creators have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I did not take care of this thing at all. And it's still kicking. It's still recording. The other one I spent a lot of money on about a year ago, maybe a little longer, and it already has bit the dust. Meanwhile, I'm over here just like, I gotta have the computer equipment made for toddlers. <laughs> you have the Hot Wheels set up? Bro, if I could have the Hot Wheels PC set up, I 100% would build like a sleeper PC with the Hot Wheels PC. I would love that. That would be hilarious. Like, I want the keyboard, like everything. Oh my god, yeah. You can't have it without the keyboard. It's not a complete set. Either that or the, Sh the Shrek setup. You know, I don't think I've seen the Shrek setup. Now that I think about it, I think the Shrek setup might have literally just been like a Shrek TV. It was a green TV that had the uh, the Shrek ears on the top. That's awesome, though. I have seen a little kid's frog computer that I think would be good for you, too. That's what I'm thinking of. Both of them are green, and I immediately went to Shrek. It's the frog PC. I... Frog, Shrek, you know, same thing. I really want to take Advil right now, but I'm on so much different cold medicine that I'm afraid to. It's fine. Anyway, there is one more announcement before we get going. We will not be releasing an episode next week, and it is all Krakow's fault. Yes, I'm, I'm running away. I have escaped the attic. 
but yeah, you're going to be out of town for a week, right? Yes, I'll be I'll actually be leaving Tuesday morning and won't get back until like Friday. So safe travels when Bobo tells you to hold her hand across the street. You listen, okay? I will. I even, I got my crate ready. I get one of those little anxiety meds that they give, like, the pets to put them in the crate so when they go into the plane. (laughs) But that's all the announcements. Look at us go. Look at us making announcements like we know what we're doing. And all of them are, hey, (laughs) we suck and stuff isn't right. (laughs) Our announcements are basically, hey, here's what's broken this week and here's what we're not doing. (laughs) So pretty much on brand. (laughs) Here's what I broke, and here's how I will not be fixing it. Anyway, so it is a motel, uh, as I think Krako... Did you say that already? Maybe. Yeah, I don't remember. So um, it's going to be... I will say we, you know, we do put our little um, viewer discretion warning... And I've realized now, weeks after we started putting that in there, um, people don't view this. It's a podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't think about that either. But people understand. Anyway, so this week is... It's a true crime podcast, so I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just... I put it for the um, the pretty rough ones, like the... Mm-hmm. You know, the, the murdery ones. Ah, yes, the true crime podcast where we have to sort out the murdery ones because they're not all murdery in some way. Well, no, we also do spooky tales and, you know, cryptids and stuff like that. So, like, we didn't need a uh, a, a warning in front of the Christmas episode where you talked about the guys that licked pots. I mean, that could be disturbing to some people. I mean, you don't know. This week's episode is probably going to be disturbing to a lot of people. So... Yay. Well, you know a little bit about this because we actually had talked and both of us had this on our list to cover. And then Mm -hmm. I forgot you had it on your list and I wrote it up and then you were like, oh, I wanted to do that. And I was like, shit. Most of my ideas. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Moving on. Um, So, yeah, this one is a little rough. It involves... uh, A serial killer, as I mentioned, and... um, he, let's just say, was not respectful to women. So if you have issues with that, uh, you may want to skip this episode. But today we are going to be talking about David Parker Ray, who is also known as the Toy Box Killer. Uh, if you know anything about this story, you know it's pretty messed up. You hear the name Toy Box Killer and you think, was like, would, did he have like a box or like, like a jack in the box or something? Like what? But no, no. No, he had his own toy box. Um, actually, uh, the first exposure I had to this case was um, I watched Bailey Sarian's video on it uh, probably like a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. I just kind of, after watching that episode, I just kind of sat there and stared at the computer monitor for a while. Because it was that much to kind of digest. That's understandable. Yeah, I didn't go into details, but I just, I kind of briefly looked at the summary of what this is about, so. Oh. 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 Hey. Yeah. 
Well then, um, you're in for a treat, and by a treat, I mean possible psychological trauma. Yeah. So, 1939 is known as the year that World War II started, which is still the deadliest conflict in history, with estimated 70 to 85 million fatalities, and the involvement of the vast majority of the world's countries most countries were somehow involved in World War II. But let's pull back a little closer to home. And in 1939, in New Mexico, in the city of Belen, which is located kind of near the center of the state, uh, it's a, a significant transportation hub, actually, because uh, rail stations, major highways, airports... All of it is in the center city in the state, and then it kind of services the whole state and the area around it. And in this city, Cecil and Nettie Ray gave birth to their son David on November 6th of 1939. Was um, 1939, was that before, after, or during the 1900s? It was actually just shortly after everything that you think happened in 1933. Did they have a two-door home? Yes. Good, good. And um, they they toyed with the idea of putting an escalator triangle in there, but they just couldn't get it right in the architecture. What about a two-door escalator triangle home? Like, it's, it's right there. How would that even work? I don't know, because I just thought about it after I said it in, in a, a house that's a triangle is literally just a pyramid. So that's... that's... So when David was 10, uh, Cecil and Nettie got divorced. And from this point on... He lived with his mother, his sister, and his grandfather. His mother was not around very often. She actually chose drugs and alcohol over her children. The, apparently, their grandfather was stern, a little, uh, maybe a little too stern, but he was raising David and his sister. And then occasionally, their father would visit. But Cecil was an abusive alcoholic. I wasn't able to find a reason why he did this one, but it might have been like he thought it was funny or maybe he legitimately thought it was a good idea, but he would bring David extremely graphic BDSM pornography. I, I feel like the comment you made earlier about I'm giving you a gift. It's psychological trauma. I feel like that was in reference to this. Kind of, yeah. Because, like, this is when he was, you know, David was in his early teens, which is when you are starting to develop a lot of, like, your adult tendencies. You know, in early childhood, you're learning how to human. And then once you kind of hit your teens, you're learning how to adult a little bit. Wait, you're supposed to learn how to human and then also learn how to adult? Theoretically, I, I kind of still don't do well with the adult thing. Boy, I am missing some classes. <laughs> yeah, so he would bring this to David in his early teens. Now, David in school was very shy around girls and actually got ver bullied for it physically and verbally. He was really awkward he didn't really seem to fit in. And during this time, 
as he went through high school, he started to develop fantasies of raping, torturing, and killing women. I don't think that's right. No, that's that's definitely not stuff you should be um, no. fantasizing about or doing. No. Well, at the same time, perfect timing here, he also started to experiment with drugs and alcohol. Oh, that's a great combination. So when he was 14, his sister, I'm not sure how exactly, but she found his porn stash. And she was, uh, in retrospect, she had talked about this at some point, but she was alarmed and terrified at how violent some of this stuff was. But she didn't tell anybody she found it. So she didn't tell their parents or their grandfather or anything like that. I mean, to be honest, like, how, how do you bring that up? You just like, I found some things. <laughs> um, I think you know what I found, but these things, I don't think they're supposed to be the way these things are. Correct. Correct. I believe she was younger than him, too. So, like, could you imagine, like, your little sister finding some crazy stuff? Like, ugh, that's awkward. Yeah, no, no. 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 After high school, uh, David worked as a mechanic. He actually served in the U.S. Army and was honorably discharged. He uh, was a mechanic in the Army. And then afterwards, uh, you know, his co-workers and his friends, they said he was really good at his job. He could, like, weld and craft his own tools and, you know, pretty much one of those guys that can fix anything. Uh, he even would, like, teach other people how to fix stuff. So it's like, hey, can you teach me how to work on a car? Or can you teach me how to do this? And he was, like, super helpful and nice and would teach people. And like I said, he was really good at building things, crafting things. You know, he could weld and work with a lot of, like, power tools and things like that. I, I don't know why, but that's the thing, and I, it shouldn't, because as many times as we've talked about it, that's the thing that still shocks me. It's like, this is just, a, they seem like a completely normal person. They're nice. They're helpful. Everybody likes them. And then it's just like, but why do you hear what they did? Yeah. Well, like, that that part of him, like, not the, the stuff in his childhood and stuff like that, because my, he, rem this aspect of him reminds me of my dad. But my dad had a really good childhood, and my dad is also not a psychotic serial killer. So basically what you're saying is this guy reminds me of my dad, you know, minus the psychological childhood trauma and minus the murders. But no, like the 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 welding and the yeah. mechanic, like my dad can take an engine apart and put it back together and it works better. I can take it apart, but I can't put it back together. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and I only need one tool to take it apart, like a hammer. But no, like my dad can build an engine and make it work. He can, um, you know, he knows how to weld. He, he's a professional welder. That's what he does, welding and fabrication. Uh, and he, you know, has always worked on cars and can, like, build stuff and things like that. So, like, that aspect. None of the other stuff, but just that aspect reminds me of my dad. I uh, I have a, a project I need your dad's help with hearing this. Um, I, I need, I, I need a, a power wheels, like a child's power wheels, and I need like a V8 <laughs> engine put in it. I want one of those fast power wheels. He probably could slash would do that. So like he um built and raced his own go-kart. 
uh, like a, a winged outlaw go kart, which right. isn't much bigger yeah. than a Power Wheels. No, I mean like literally just take one from Walmart, like the little police car from Walmart. Oh my god! And slap a bigger engine in it. I don't think the little Power Wheels would be able to move a car engine. <laughs> it's plastic. Fair. He he technically could probably do that. I'm not going to tell him because then he'll get ideas. That's the only thing. I'm going to state this one more time. That's the only part of this guy that reminds me of my father. The helpful and the mechanic and the... Yes, the helpful mechanic who... The crafty. Yeah, could like... If I took my car over and was like, my car is making a noise, my dad would look at it. He'd just rebuild you a new car. Maybe. <laughs> over the years, David would marry and divorce four times. Okay. And uh, had two children throughout throughout the marriages. At some point, now the the details are a little bit vague. Um, like she she doesn't really want to be known, I guess. So it's just like at some point during his first marriage, he told his wife is the the stuff that um, that's out there that I have found. Mm. He confided in his first wife that as a teen, he kidnapped a woman tied her to a tree, and killed her. That's just something you, you talk about over dinner. Yeah, well, she didn't believe him. She thought he was making it up for some reason. But then she did later say that throughout the marriage, he had increasingly disturbing behavior. I'm not 100% sure what that means. Again, there aren't a lot of details on it. It's not like she went out and, you know, does a million interviews and stuff like that but apparently he acted odd yeah i'll say now i did say he has two children both are girls uh one of his daughters does not want the public eye i don't even know she might have changed her name or anything like that but she does not you know really have much out there and that's i was gonna say that's 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 fair just being like yeah i'm just gonna leave this one alone his other daughter was Glenda Jean, but everyone knows her as Jessie, and we actually will talk about her quite a bit later. As David aged into his 50s, he moved to Elephant Butte, North, North Mexico. Wow. Ah, uh, here we go. Good old North Mexico. Now, now new merch coming soon. It's just like <laughs> one of those travel shirts you would see in like a little rest stop, like outside of some famous town. And it's just like, <laughs> come visit beautiful North Mexico. Yeah, I don't know where the North came from, but New Mexico, Elephant Butte, New Mexico. And the there's a another town really close. Like the these two towns are like next to each other and in between or like bordering both of them is this huge man-made lake or reserve reservoir thing mm -hmm. uh, but the other town and I shit you not is called Truth or Consequences uh, uh, okay hey Krakow let's go to Truth or Consequences while we're on the topic of uh, weird names and then going back to me not learning how to be an adult uh, I can't look at the word butte because it's uh, without laughing because it's spelled like butt with an e Man moved to Elephant Butt, New Mexico. Excuse me, Elephant Butt, North Mexico. Yeah, let's go to Elephant Butt, North Mexico. I found one even better. I can visit Pittsburgh very quickly. Apparently there's a town called Pittsburgh in South Carolina. Huh. I can go to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh my god, that reminds me of a story. The town that I live in 
There is also a town with the same name in another state. Spelled exactly the same. I'll bet that's fun. Well, (laughs) when it was maybe a year or two after we moved in the house, we went outside and down the sidewalk from one end of the block all the way down to the other was a trail of blood drips. And we were like, oh my God, what happened? Mm -hmm. I looked up to the police department online and I didn't look at the state. And I called the number and I'm like, "It's, it's this street name, the corner of this street and that street. And the cop's like, are you sure? Because those streets don't intersect. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. I live there. And he's like, are you sure? Wonderful. It took like 15, 20 minutes before we realized that we were across the country. And it was not the right police department. I have never apologized to a complete stranger that much in my life. I'm sure I'm sure they understood. Oh, yeah. Apparently it wasn't the first time it happened. And apparently it happens the other way around, too. Yeah. Nothing bad, nothing really bad had happened. Somebody cut themselves. Um, I think it was like their hand or their arm. Ow. On, on like a car or something, like a car and walked home. Okay, then. There wasn't a crime or anything. Mm-hmm. Walked home, got it bandaged. I guess, I think they went to urgent care or something like that. So <laughs> there wasn't anything like massive. But yeah, when I called the cops, the actual cops, they were like, yeah, 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 we know, we know. So-and-so, they're like, someone's already responded. Everything's okay. No. But, yep, I called a police department on the other side of the country by accident. I'm not surprised. So, yes, this is near Truth and Consequences. And in the late 90s, when a bulk of our story t- takes place, the crime rate in the area between these two cities was incredibly high. There was a lot of drugs, a lot of violent crime, and a lot of sex work that really increased in that time period, especially around that lake that I had mentioned. I, I'm sorry, but my brain just went, ah, yes, ye old water and hole. I... You listed all the drugs and alcohol, and my brain is just like, let's go to truth or consequences to do our business down by ye old water and hole. Maybe I should take the Advil and just knock myself out. You'd be like, you just hear a thump and it's just like, Mo, are you there? <laughs> Followed by snoring. Yes. And then I'll just let it go. And then when you, when you go to edit, it's just like in a couple hours of snoring. These sound waves don't look right. Yeah, it's close enough. In March of 1999, David disguised himself as an undercover cop and approached a sex worker named Cynthia. He told her that she was under arrest. He handcuffed her and put her in the back of the car. But instead of going to a police station, he took her back to his home in a nearby trailer park. There, he got her inside and then handcuffed and chained her to a bed in the living room before locking a spiked dog collar around her neck. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, so, and I guess I should have mentioned um, that before handcuffing and chaining her and everything she was stripped of all her clothing and then like that she was left there for three days david would just get up and go to work on a regular routine and had his girlfriend cindy hanoi i believe is how you say it 
watch over Cynthia, basically like to babysit her. So I know we always say that, um, you know, we, we laugh about things be- and make jokes, not because mm-hmm. it's funny, but because we're uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, uh, but my brain was just like, imagine the panic when you're arrested. First of all, the panic from that and then the panic when he passes the police station. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, um, wait a minute. Uh, do you know where you're going, sir? I believe you work back there. On the third day. So she's been there for three days. Cindy. Now, this one kept confusing me because there's a Cindy and a Cynthia. Cindy is the girlfriend. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And Cynthia is the victim. Okay. Cindy got a phone call and was not paying attention to Cynthia at all. You know, I, I kind of, and I think this is just me, but like it's the 90s so it was still the phone with like the cord and I imagine she was just like standing mm-hmm. there like twirling the phone cord not paying attention oh, that's exactly what I pictured while this phone call was happening Cynthia noticed that the keys to the handcuffs were accidentally left on the table not far from where she was being held funny how nature knew that yeah she she didn't have the best range of motion. Like I said, she was handcuffed and chained to a bed, but she managed to get those keys. And partway through trying to unlock herself, Cindy noticed and they got into a struggle and a fight. Cindy apparently tried to knock her unconscious and, you know, it was... Not a pretty sight, I guess. But why did I say I guess? Yeah. You know, it's two women fighting. One of them is completely naked and chained up. Of course, it was not a pretty sight. No. During the struggle, Cynthia grabbed a weapon of opportunity, which in this case was an ice pick. So at first I was like, an ice pick? Why would there be an ice pick? And then I remembered she was in the living room next to the kitchen. N- not only that, and you got to think, she's just been kidnapped by a possible murderer and chained to a bed. There's probably some sharp weapons nearby. Yeah, yeah. So she was able to get a, an ice pick and stabbed Cindy. It was not fatal, but it did give her the opportunity to run out of the house. So she ran out into the trailer park completely naked and screaming for help, as one would in this situation. Police, obviously, were were called. Uh, neighbors came out and were like, what is going on? She was safe now. The police came out to the trailer park, but at first they didn't want to believe her. And this kind of ties into what I was saying in our last episode. It was because of her criminal past and the fact that she was a sex worker. They said, there's no way this could have, this, this, no, this wasn't a crime. You weren't held against your will. And that's the thing is just like, you shouldn't look at any of that. You should just investigate what they're telling you. You know, it's not going to hurt to look into it. Well, not to mention you have a completely hysterical woman with handcuffs and chains and no clothing sobbing in front of you. And possibly had some blood on her because she just stabbed someone. And also, there isn't a ton, or at least I didn't see a ton, on how poorly they treated her in those three days. Obviously, 
she was not treated well. She was a victim and a prisoner. But I don't know if there was visible bruising anywhere. I would imagine there would be something like scrapes, cuts, something. Exactly, exactly. She would have looked like a victim, and police should have believed her. Why is it that my brain is just like, yeah, all of the, you know, the possible beatings and, you know, whatever she went through... My brain is just like, I just wouldn't want to be tied down to the bed, not able to move for three days. Yeah. Like, you can just inconvenience me, and suddenly I'm just like, I'll tell you what you want to know, just make it stop. My stupid brain is like, I wouldn't even be able to sleep. Because, like, yeah, being in bed for a few days, I could sleep, but not in that situation. Just lay in there. So I couldn't even sleep. So you're just panic and adrenaline and... Luckily, they, they did take Cynthia to the hospital, even though they didn't believe her. Uh, she had obvious trauma, obvious issues. They had, you know, it's procedure. She would have to get checked out and everything. At the hospital, I'll remind you, Cindy was stabbed. So they both ended up at the same hospital. And when Cynthia saw her, she completely freaked out. Understandably. Complete hysterics. Yes. So luckily, she was at a hospital. There were police everywhere. There were medical care professionals everywhere so she was safe yeah she was in a safe place but she was terrified so police were like maybe we need to look into this maybe she was telling the truth yeah yeah so they checked out the home and now that they went into the home and they found the bed they found the chains they found the signs of a struggle they're like oh this was actually a crime we're in a crime scene guys it's annoying that they didn't believe her at first, mm-hmm. but at least they had found it. Because, like, all they had to do, like, she was safe. So, like, all they had to do was, like, if she didn't need, you know, apparent immediate medical attention, they could have just, like, put her in the back of the car, lock the door. Where is this house? We're going to go here now and go look while you're safe in the car. Yeah, wrap her in a blanket. Yeah. They went through the living room where she was held. And then out back behind the trailer... They found a small building. Well, when they found it and they entered, they were in for a shock. David went from working on cars and helping people to fix things to creating his own little sadistic toy box filled with homemade devices of pain and perversion. No, thanks. I'm good. Yeah. In one corner, they found a tripod with a video camera. And then the rest of the area was filled with all sorts of contraptions, torture devices, and other tools to just severely abuse the victims. There was also a very detailed list. It didn't have names, but it had information of victims from the years of 1993 to 1997. There was also a bulletin board, like a a cork board with the pushpins and stuff, Mm -hmm. with Polaroids and photographs of different victims bound, abused, and in noticeable pain. On the bulletin board was also, if you kind of imagine like the, the employee lunchroom where they have like those you know, bulletin boards with, like, a bunch of stuff on there, and then, like, they have, like, policies and procedures and all that stuff. It's, like, part wipe-off board, part cork board kind of thing. 
Yeah, well, one of the uh, policies and procedures was the guidelines for his toy box. And they talked about not believing the excuses that women had to avoid intimacy with him, the true nature of women, and tons of stuff like that. It was it was a very interesting manifesto. Sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Well, what's really interesting is that David and his girlfriend Cindy spent over $100,000 building the toy box and soundproofing it and filling it together. Hey, Mo, you want to step the podcast up a little bit and, and figure out what they did with the toy box, if it's still together, and then, like, rent the soundproofed box and then just record in that? Well, I uh, I can't remember if I mentioned it at the end here or not, but mm-hmm. after everything happened, it actually was open to the public for a while. Uh, why? Okay. Anyway, like I said, $100,000. Wherever they went and whoever helped them soundproof this thing, like, they must have been like, what are you, y'all are recording, like, again, are y'all recording a podcast in here? (laughs) What what are y'all doing that you need this much soundproofing? What are you doing? And that does make me wonder what they told, if they had someone do this or if they just bought the stuff and did it themselves. Well, I mean, he was very handy. So he might have done it himself and just gotten the supplies. It's just like, if, if I'm doing soundproofing work for someone and they're spending that kind of money, I would just be like, so, what, what do you need all this soundproofing for? What are you doing? Start a new record label. Cool. Can I, can I get signed? Sure. You don't even have to audition. Nice. Inside the toy box, the elements of torture ranged from a legitimate official gynecologist chair, complete with the stirrups and everything. It had straps and the ability to restrain a victim within the chair as well. Uh, There were also homemade sex toys with protruding nails and spikes that were simply meant to rip through flesh. That's a sentence I could have done without. Then don't look them up. Now you you gotta say that. Now I'm curious as to like what they look like and I'm not gonna be able to stop myself. Eh, You know, it's... I have seen pictures and they're horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. There were also knives, surgical tools, and electrocution clamps, which were attached to a homemade generator. There was a full-size coffin that he had padded and then would lock victims inside of. There was also a wooden box with a hole in the bottom. And it was the size of and made to fit over someone's head and lock to keep the victim in total blindness. Yeah, it got worse. Mm -hmm. And then the walls were decorated with extremely graphic BDSM imagery. And actually, I should take a moment here to say that this is not a judgment zone in terms of BDSM is a... It's a personal choice. It is... Yeah, it's a thing. Well, and it's consenting adults. Yeah. You know, those, all that, that's fine. Doing it to a non-consenting victim that you have in a torture chamber, not okay. It becomes a no-no when someone says no. Exactly. There was also a mirror attached to the ceilings so that the victims could watch themselves being tortured. 
somehow my brain is just like, yeah, that's that makes it a whole lot worse because it's one thing going through it, but then like having to watch as well. Mm-hmm. And like if you're restrained, I mean, you can try to close your eyes, but depending, you might not be able to. Yeah, and it's just one of those things. It's like it's worse because you can you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. So, in the search and seizure, uh, police recovered two hundred and thirty-seven pieces of evidence that were just the different victims' personal effects: purses, jewelry, jackets. There was even used underwear or dirty underwear um, found. And all of it was cataloged, which tells you there there might be many, many, many victims that no one even knows about. As police reviewed the tape inside of the video camera, they found footage of a woman who was very obviously heavily drugged. Then David played an audio tape of himself speaking. It was a 40-minute tape addressing the victim and explaining how the torture would proceed in great detail, as well as how the victim was supposed to act and, you know, be during this session. I have not listened to it, but apparently it is available online. Of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? In the footage... The victim's position and, you know, like, stuff blocking and everything like that made it very hard to identify the victim's face. But they had a very clear image of a unique tattoo. I can't remember if it was on her foot or her calf, but she had a very unique, uh, I think it was a butterfly tattoo. And they were able... I think whenever I looked that one time, I saw something about it was on the foot, but... I think it was on her foot, yeah. Possibly. Um, they now had a clear identif- ad- identifying mark. And this image that was captured off the video was sent to the FBI, who cleaned it up and then shared it with the public, just trying to identify this woman. And they did. The police identified a young woman named Kelly Garrett. On July 24th, 1996, Kelly got in an argument with her husband. And she left the house with friends and went to a local bar, the Blue Water Saloon, uh, just to shoot pool, have some drinks, blow off a little steam. You know, they had an argument, but it wasn't like a a world-ending fight. You know, it was just it was an argument. So, just a just a disagreement. Yeah, and like also uh, now introducing off-brand Bluetooth Blue Water. While she was at the saloon. She ran into an old friend named Jesse, who she knew for a few years and felt very, very comfortable around. But after just one beer, she got super dizzy and really, really sick. Her other friends were having a ton of fun and Jesse was just about to leave. So Kelly was like, can I can I get a ride home? Is that OK? And she's like, yeah, I'll take you home. But at this point, Kelly blacked out. Gee, I wonder what happened. It turns out, Jesse drugged the beer that Kelly was drinking. And in case you don't remember, this is the Jesse who is David Parker Ray's daughter. So after Kelly was unconscious, Jesse took her to her dad's house. The collar was attached to her, and then she was locked up in the toy box. 
and Jesse just left. For two days, Kelly was drugged on and off and tortured uh, to the point that once David thought she was dead, he dumped her body on the side of the road. Real, real stand up guy. Yeah. What does that do to you as well? Like being tied down and locked in a room, not knowing where you're at. Like, yeah, that's that's horrifying. But then, like, what does it do to your brain combining that with being drugged off and on? That has to make it seem like it's it's lasting longer. It's just like I have no clue how long I've been here. Yeah. And then being dumped naked on the side of the road. Yeah. Luckily for her, a kind citizen found her and took her home. Unfortunately, her husband didn't believe that she couldn't remember those days. He thought she went out and was like carousing, partying, all that stuff, and, you know, probably cheated on him and everything like that. And he filed for divorce. What is it about people not believing people? I don't know. From that point, obviously, Kelly had constant nightmares about what happened. But because of the drugs and the psychological trauma, she couldn't actually remember. She just had these horrific nightmares. But once police tracked her down and showed her the videotape, her brain put the puzzle pieces back together and she started to remember. Which, on one hand, you know, not knowing it was potentially a blessing. You know, she didn't have to to know that stuff. Yeah, but at the same time, she's having nightmares because her body's trying to make her remember, but it yeah. can't quite get it there. So I don't know which is worse, really. Yeah, no. <sighs> not knowing and having horrible nightmares or knowing and being able to deal with it. I don't know. Well, not deal with it, but cope with it. And She could get help. She could go yeah, to... A professional and say this is what happened yeah and you know go through it um at this point the media gets a hold of the story releases it to the public and another woman comes forward her name is angelica so right before cynthia was abducted the first story we talked about angelica was kidnapped and tortured afterwards she went to the police but they never followed up. Like, they were just like, okie dokie. I'm seeing a theme of, like, people not wanting to check things out and not believing people. I, I don't know if I like this theme. When the media released the story, she's like, oh, okay, police don't want to do anything. I'm just going to tell the media. I'm going to get my story out there. Yeah. And at this point, she made the public statements. She went to the police and was like, look... I told you about this. No one did anything. Can you please, please investigate? And this time they did. They actually investigated her case as well. Especially now that they were like, well, shit, stuff happened here. Yeah, the, the, that's the bad thing. It's like if she hadn't gone to the media and just left it at that, they probably would have never looked into it. Yeah, yeah. And like, imagine if she hadn't survived. Yeah, it would have just been another one of the victims and that would have been it during this investigation they you know they had a lot of evidence they had a lot of traction so police talked to david's girlfriend and cindy admitted 
in helping with multiple assaults and offered to give information on David for a lesser sentence. So she she made a plea agreement and, you know, she was going to get a lesser sentence if she helped them get him. Now, I'm all for, like, the, the suspects being told the truth, you know, while they're doing the investigation and, you know, them not lying, being lied to and, you know, stuff like that. But for cases like this, I feel like they should have just been, oh, yeah, we'll get you out on bond. You'll be fine. <laughs> just, just tell us what we need to know. And then it's just like life. She did give them a lot of information. And she told them that he was selling women to sex traffickers. She also told them that he viewed women simply as objects that he could own. And whenever he talked about the women that he killed, he would just call them packages, completely dehumanizing them. Yeah. Do you think maybe this, like, maybe he did that because he knew what he was doing was wrong? And if he didn't refer to them as people, it made it easier for him to deal with it? I don't know. This dude was, he was messed up, dude. Was that just saying it like that 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 made me think of i know you've seen silence of the mm-hmm. lambs the part where they're just like they they put they play the tape on the tv and it's like if he, if he sees her as a person it's harder for him to do what he's doing mm-hmm. i don't know if there's yeah. any truth to that or not but it depends it depends on the psychological state of the person because some of them legitimately just see women as objects yeah but then others it is them trying to escape so I'm not sure which one. I have a feeling he was just that messed up. That's also a possibility. He took photos of all the victims, but then after a period of time, he would burn them. And that one, I don't know if it was him covering his tracks that he didn't want to hold on to them or if he just didn't care anymore. Like he didn't get pleasure from it anymore because it was, you know, six months ago, it was a year ago. I don't need to get it. That's okay. That's one way to look at it. Yeah. So unfortunately, there was quite a lot, uh, quite a bit of evidence destroyed by him over the years. But Cindy told police that he killed at least thirty women. At least, she told police that the first body, he tried to dump it in the lake, but it resurfaced. So that's when he learned to cut the body open so that they would submerge easier and stay down. That's an interesting thing to learn. (sighs) Yeah, yeah. Well, she said about seven bodies were disposed of in the lake. But because this lake is so big and so deep, you know, this isn't just a little pond. Like, this is a huge, huge lake. Yeah. Police have not been able to properly search it to find remains. That's awful. They have searched the area around the trailer, around the toy box, and there are several remote places in the area, uh, like cabin, uh, cabins, canyons, and caves, and you know, rugged trails and stuff like that. They have searched those areas, but they have not found any remains. That's that's I think another really bad thing is that they can't find the remains. Yeah. yeah. Like it's bad enough that all of that happened, but then that's just it. Yeah, exactly. And it is very it's very difficult to get a murder conviction if you don't have a body. There have been instances, but it's very difficult. In that case, think about how many lakes or like 
rivers or stuff you've swam in and you did not know there was a body down there because you couldn't see through the water. Cracko, you're fired from the podcast. You know I'm right. Why are you booing me? So, obviously everything went to trial. Cindy was charged with conspiracy to commit kidnapping, accessory to kidnapping, and accessory to criminal penetration. And she was sentenced to 36 years in prison. It would have been higher, but again, she did take the the plea agreement to help get David in jail. Uh, But she still was sentenced to 36 years. So at least it wasn't just a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Thankfully. Thankfully. David denied everything and said that it was all consensual. I'm sorry, what? He showed absolutely no remorse. And this is the part that, um, this makes me angry. He said that he was actually the victim in all of this. Put put him in the toy box. Reverse the roles. Go directly to jail. (laughs) Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. He kept detailed journals as well. And... The FBI went through his journals and believe he had at least 40 victims. So Cindy said it was at least 30. They're saying it was at least 40. And even without the bodies, the police thought they had a good case. They thought if this went to trial, they could get a conviction. They could get a murder conviction. In 2001, David accepted a plea deal so that his daughter could get a lesser sentence. Fair. So... With that plea deal, Jesse was charged with kidnapping, criminal sexual penetration, and conspiracy. And because of that plea deal, she only served two and a half years in prison. Uh, um, okay. For delivering a victim to her father on a pl- silver platter. Yeah. That makes sense. David's part of the plea deal was 224 years in prison. Like, I understand, like, there's a legal reason for them just not saying life in prison. But, like, I feel like at some point you have to just, you, I mean, it's, it, why not just say it? Yeah, it was, it was basically so many years per victim. Yeah. But, yeah, 224. My, my, my brain just goes, like, I mean, I know some people have lived to be, like, 100 and something years old. But, like, mm-hmm. say, like, around 150, at that point, you're free to go. That, you know, like, at 150, it becomes life. Well, I think it's interesting. Uh, I forget which case it was, but the the guy got life plus 86 years. Yeah, I've, I've heard of life plus, yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, oh. Like, what, what, what do they do? They keep the ghost in there? <laughs> the ghost is shackled up. He was convicted, sentenced with 224 years in prison. It's believed that he raped, tortured, and killed up to 60 victims. Again, there are no bodies. There is a lack of hard evidence on a lot of these cases. You know, certain ones, they did have really good evidence, like Kelly, where they had the videotape and were able to identify her. Um, Others, stuff was, I said, destroyed. But they did have 237 personal effects And it is possible that maybe some will be identified with, you know, DNA or something like that. But yeah, it's it's been very hard to prove exactly what he did and how many victims he had. And 
right after he told police that he was going to show them where the bodies were buried, on May 28th, 2002, David had a major heart attack and died. How convenient. Well, I have thought about that because there are ways to fake, not fake a heart attack, but like to kill someone that it looks like a heart attack. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like there, you know, maybe someone was able to slip him something or, you know, maybe he was able to do something to himself. But yeah, or maybe he just, you know, had karma bite him in the butt but it just sucks that it w- you know he was like yeah I'll, t- I'll tell you where the bodies are i feel like it would have been good karma had he told them and then at right after he told them karma was like all right bye yeah i i really wish i really wish we would know where those bodies are yeah he he did claim that he killed one person per year from the age of 14 and he was um, let's see, 1939 to 2002. He was like 63. So 63, well, let's just say he was 64. So that would have been 50 people. Yeah, I mean, it would be close to the 60 that they thought, so... Yeah, so this was never proven, but uh, it does kind of align with a lot of the things. That is the end of the story. Well, it's not the end. You, you, in the little notes here, you, you included newspaper clippings. I'm more interested in the fact that the boys are back. Grand opening celebration, Albuquerque cabinet brokers. Uh, the newspaper clippings are for the website, <laughs> but yes. Oh, I know. Um, yes, the boys are back. Um, actually, if you scroll down a bit, uh, the one has a picture of the coffin. But yeah, like I said, they did open this up to the public and to the media. So there is a lot of coverage of the inside of the toy box which is horrifying yeah yeah so there we go Krakow thanks thanks for for the trauma it like this is a tough one it's it's a bit rough yeah um what was done was horrible but um I also think that talking about it could maybe potentially keep it alive long enough to find some of those victims Hopefully, yeah, uh, that would be, that would be good. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a crazy one because it's it's kind of solved. the The monster that did these things was found, captured, incarcerated, but there are still so many questions out there, so many unknowns. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like that would that would help the families too with closure and everything, but. Yeah, there's families out there who have, I mean, maybe they have an idea of what happened to a loved one, but they don't know. And he, um, he went after a lot of sex workers, a lot of, I guess, easy targets. You know, he wasn't out there grabbing people off a busy street. He was, he was getting people probably, you know, either transients or, uh, someone who's just kind of traveling through town, someone who has their guard down. So, you know, what if there was someone? Yeah, someone who's who's just, you know, easy to approach and talk to and, you know, get close to, to yeah. do whatever you're going to do. Yeah, and if someone was traveling through town and was an easy, easy target, yeah. their family might be states away and have no idea. On that happy note, 
Uh, that's the end of the story. So, hooray trauma! No episode next week. We'll be back the week after that, and have a wonderful rest of your day after that story. As always, make sure to check out our website for all of the show notes, sources, and more information at thesquonkandthehag.com. And we would also love and appreciate your support by either leaving a review on iTunes or through small monthly donations using the viewer support link in the description. And if you don't subscribe, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast network to get notified of new episodes every Thursday. All right, Krakow, you ready? Okay, bye.